0: He knows his stuff, and sure enough, shooting the bowl with Tom Snow. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Shooting the Bowl with Tom Snow. I'm your host, Tom Snow, and uh, today we have our uh, weekly morning cup of history. So let's get started with what happened this week in history. Let's start with June 13th. On June 13th of 1777, Marquis de Lafayette arrives in the United States. So Lafayette was a French nobleman who was sympathetic to the Americans during the Revolutionary War. This was during the early part of the American Revolution when France was still not sure if they were going to join in on their side. I'm sorry, join in on our side. So King Louis of France forbade Lafayette from joining the Americans because King Louis was afraid that England would declare war on France if Lafayette went over there. But Marquis de Lafayette decided to go anyway. What he did is he disguised himself as a woman, bought a small ship, and sailed to America, arriving in Charleston, South Carolina on June 13, 1777. So Lafayette will go on to be one of George Washington's most trusted generals and later return to France later on during the war to help convince King Louis to join the war on the American side. French help was instrumental in winning the final victory of the war at the Battle of Yorktown, in which Marquis de Lafayette played a leading role. And one thing I want to uh, establish, many people think that Lafayette commanded the French troops during the war. That's actually not true. He was actually a general in the American army. So he, was, he later served in the French army, but during the Revolutionary War he served in the American army. So, on June 14th, June 14th is a big one. June 14th is Flag Day. And let's talk a little bit about Flag Day. So, on June 14th, 1777, the Continental Congress passes the Flag Act, which calls for a flag of 13 red and white stripes, as well as a blue canton in the top left corner with 13 stars in it. Before the Flag Act, the unofficial American flag was the Grand Union flag which is basically the current American flag, both a British flag in the top left corner, basically where the stars are today. Once the United States declared independence from Great Britain on July 4, 1776, this flag kind of went out of style for obvious reasons. Now, according to legend, George Washington asked a Philadelphia upholsterist named Betsy Ross to make a battle flag with 13 stars in place of the British Union Jack. While this legend is not confirmed, there we did find a receipt from the Continental Congress paying Betsy Ross for making a flag in seventeen seventy-seven. So at the very least, she probably did make at least one of the first flags. But eventually the um thirteen stars and stripes became the official American flag. And in seventeen I believe seventeen ninety-eight, they made a new flag that had fifteen stars and fifteen stripes for two new states in the union. And in 1818, they passed another law calling for 13 stripes and the same number of stars as there are states. So that's a little background about the history of the flag. On June 14th of 1775, another big event was the birthday of the army. So The Revolutionary War started on April 19th of 1775 at the Battle of Lexington and Concord. Now, after that battle, roughly 15,000 militiamen from the four New England colonies, being New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Connecticut, and Rhode Island, surrounded the roughly 5,000 British soldiers occupying Boston. Congressman John Adams of Massachusetts wanted to create a quote-unquote continental army that included troops from all 13 colonies. So, Congress passed an act that created a regiment of riflemen from Pennsylvania, Maryland, and Virginia on June 14, 1775. Now, this was very important because up until this point, all of the soldiers in the Army came from New England. John Adams also nominated Colonel George Washington of Virginia to command the Army as a way to get the South involved in the war. I'm sure most of you all know that George Washington commanded the Army for the rest of the war won the war, and later became first president of the United States. So June 14, 1775 was a big day in the life of George Washington. June 15, 1752, Benjamin Franklin allegedly does his kite in the storm experiment and discovers that lightning is, in fact, electricity. So, Franklin described the experiment to one of his friends in London, who published the story in a book in 1767. Now, Ben Franklin actually never claimed credit for the experiment, but did not really deny it either. It is actually very doubtful that the story as told was, uh, is 100% accurate, as Franklin would certainly have been electrocuted if he attempted to do basically just fly a kite in a storm himself. What probably really happened is that Ben Franklin tied the kite to a jar rather than hold it himself and it is also very doubtful that the flag was actually I'm sorry that the kite was actually hit by lightning but rather just picked up the ambient electric charge from the lightning storm because again if it was struck by lightning he would probably have been dead so Ben Franklin flying a kite in a storm not more that's a little bit more myth and legend Probably more so, in my opinion, than Betsy Ross making the flag. I think Betsy Ross making the flag has a little bit more truth to it. Ben Franklin flying a kite in the storm, Eh, not so much. June sixteenth, seventeen 1779, Spain declares war on Great Britain and enters the American Revolution on the side of the United States and France. Now, I want to say more people did not know that France helped the United States in the Revolutionary War, but many people forget that Spain helped us as well. Now, Spain did not care whatsoever about the American ideals of liberty and democracy. Again, Spain had conquered half the world about two centuries before, and they were an absolute monarchy, and they did not care whatsoever about democracy, liberty, or anything else that we were fighting for. What Spain really wanted was to reconquer Gibraltar from England. Uh, Gibraltar is a tiny little island off the coast of Spain. It's, you know, where the Spain kind of almost touches North Africa. Gibraltar's right in the middle of that. And while Spain failed to capture Gibraltar, they did recapture modern-day Alabama and Florida from the British and provided the American army with much-needed supplies. So Spain did a big par- um, just like France helped, the big, helped America um, in a big way during the Revolutionary War, Spain also helped us out tremendously. June 17th, my favorite. June 17th, 1775 is the Battle of Bunker Hill. Now, as I mentioned earlier, the newly created Continental Army surrounded the city of Boston, which was occupied by a small British army under General Thomas Gage. General Gage received reinforcements under generals Sir William Howe and Sir Henry Clinton and decided to attack the Americans at a place called Bunker Hill right outside of Boston. Ironically, the Americans were not on Bunker Hill as they fortified nearby Breed's Hill by mistake, so much of the following battle would actually be fought on Breed's Hill as opposed to Bunker Hill. So a little short summary of the battle. Roughly 1,200 American militiamen fortified the hill on the night of June 16, 1775. They were under the command of three men, General Israel Putnam, Colonel William Prescott, and Dr. Joseph Warren. General Gage sent General Howe with over 2,000 soldiers to take the hill. Howe and his professional British soldiers expected the untrained Americans would run without putting up much of a fight, but they were in for a very rude surprise the british launched two frontal assaults on breeds hill both of which were repulsed with heavy casualties on the third try the british were finally able to take the hill only because the americans ran out of ammunition casualties on both sides were very heavy by the after reinforcements both sides had about 2 to 3000 troops Over 1,000 British soldiers were either killed or wounded, compared to about 450 Americans, so the British lost over twice as more men. Among the Americans killed, however, was Dr. Joseph Warren, who was one of the more prominent leaders of the colonial resistance movements before the war. George Washington arrived to command the army a couple weeks after the battle, and he was very encouraged by his new army's performance. While the Americans technically lost the battle, the British suffered a lot more casualties and they were eventually forced to evacuate Boston a few months later. Now on June 18th, 1815, the Battle of Waterloo occurs. So this is the final defeat of Napoleon Bonaparte. He had been defeated the previous year and forced to go into exile on the island of Elba in the Mediterranean. Now, Napoleon did not really like living the quiet life on a remote island, so he escaped in a small ship and returned to France in March of 1815. The French people welcomed Napoleon back with open arms and he quickly raised a large army to reconquer most of Europe. In response, the British and Prussians raised a large army of their own to stop them. The British were under the command of the Duke of Wellington, and the Prussians were under the command of Field Marshal Blücher. Prussia, by the way, is basically modern-day East Germany. Napoleon and his 75,000 soldiers launched several assaults on Wellington's slightly smaller army, but failed to win a decisive victory. The next day, Blücher arrived with 50,000 Prussian soldiers and forced Napoleon to retreat. Napoleon's army suffered about 40,000 casualties, while the Allies suffered about 25,000. Napoleon was once again forced to go into exile, this time in St. Helena in the Caribbean, where he would eventually die five years later in 1820. June 19th is also known as Juneteenth. So on this day in 1865, Union forces liberated the last remaining slaves in the South. Most of these slaves were living in Galveston, Texas, which was one of the last remaining Confederate strongholds to surrender to the Union forces. Juneteenth became a popular holiday amongst African American neighborhoods during the Civil Rights movements. Festivities often include rodeos, street fairs, cookouts, park parties, and in some cases a Miss Juneteenth beauty contest. And let's wrap up this episode with a birthday boy. On June 18, 1903, Hall of Fame baseball player Lou Gehrig was born. He was a career New York Yankee, and he set the MLB all-time consecutive games played record with 2,130. This record would not be broken until 1995 when it was surpassed by Cal Ripken Jr., He died at the age of 37 from ALS, more commonly known as Lou Gehrig disease. And that basically wraps up today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and I hope you tune in next week when I do another Morning Cup of History. And be on the lookout for a couple more episodes this week. I might have a few things history and Phillies-wise I might want to share, so I hope to see you then. He knows his stuff, and sure enough, it's shooting the bull with Tom Stone.